This is episode three of Trailblazers. This week, we talked to Abby McLeod from Flatlands Infused about the wonderful world of edibles and infused food. I learned the benefits of infusing versus smoking, what a terpene is, and how to decarb flour to make weed better. Full disclosure, this episode is coming out a few weeks later than I originally hoped. Abby and I talk about a dinner called Pot and Pan, but sadly, that's already passed. But they will be hosting another dinner on November 17th that you can still get tickets to. Also, make sure you grab tickets to the Hempfest Cannabis Expo that comes to Winnipeg this weekend, November 3rd and 4th. I'll be there doing a live show, and both Chef Alan and Chef Abby from Flatlands will also be there, so come down and say hi. Now, without further ado, here's Trailblazers. So just to start off, can you tell me a little bit about Flatlands Infused? Um, we do pop-up dinners, infused pop-up dinners over Winnipeg. We try to do one to two a month. Um, it's kind of hard right now getting out there because um, the legalization with everything in the gray area. But um, we do have a restaurant in mind and we are going to try to open that up. But also they say that edibles won't be legal till next year. Right. So we're just trying to get out there. Um, I'm working full-time at Bonfire Bistro right now on Corridon, yep. um, doing my second co-op, or my first co-op for my culinary arts program. Yeah. How long have you been there? Um, about two months. I'm about halfway yeah. through. So you joined Flatlands about four months ago. How did you get into cannabis? Honestly, I used it recreationally, but now I use it more for medicinal reasons. I don't really just use it for recreation anymore. And I got into Flatlands, actually. I met Alan at the Forks, and he was doing... Um, he was taking pictures for Fried Chicken Week and he just threw me his card one day. So I just went to one of his dinners as, as a guest and he, once he looked at my Instagram, he realized I was a Red River student. So he wanted me to be part of his team. And so I came and watched a couple of his dinners just behind the scenes to see how things worked and like see what he did and his side of things. And then he invited me to help him work a dinner. And then after that dinner, he started letting me incorporate my own ideas into the menu, my own ingredients. And then now we kind of just split the dinners. We He, he tries to tell me we work together. He does, I don't work for him, <laughs> we work together. So we try to be a team. We split things up pretty evenly with who cooks what and the prep and stuff. So how long, you said that you guys try and do two a month. How long does it take to like, prep a dinner so from well the like, last the dinner we thought about it and we had the dinner at the end of the week but like this one we planned the same time we planned the last one and it's about we still have another two weeks until dinner so it kind of just depends on it just depends right like it's better to get the people to donate their money first because what then once they have the money into right. it they're more obligated they feel more obligated to actually yeah. show up because it sucks when people don't show up because yeah we still made the money but we didn't you want that food. experience yeah, right? yeah and it's nice like we like to pair the food with flour so everyone and no one beside you at the table is going to have the same flour as you so oh, that's awesome it's yeah. more like to get people to know each other and like yeah. encourage you to go outside and like get to know the people yeah. that you're with and so it's good for people to like get out and get like hear what other people have to say about the industry and cannabis in general so flatlands you guys started at restaurants were you with alan when that happened or did you join i after? went to a few of them yeah. I, I attended some of his dinners as a guest in like i went to the one on prohibition those ones were cool but these ones are more personable because we do them in residencies houses or like outside well not so much outside anymore because it's cold but yeah. <laughs> in the summer we were doing them outside and it's a lot better because you can just get up and walk away from the table and talk to whoever you're with or talk to the other people the other guests that are there or if there's any questions or anything but when you're inside it's more like sit at your table and talk to the people Stay around there. you yeah. yeah so do you know if that was if you guys chose to move into houses 
because of that or was it because of legalization? Both. Um, like some places are like, they don't want to let us do it underground because, well, we don't really want to do it underground yeah. either because like <laughs> yeah. for sure right in the middle of legalization, that's the last time you want to get in trouble for doing that stuff. But um, so we're keeping it all legal. Like we're all, we both have our prescriptions. So everything that we're doing is legal. We do micro dosing, um, but we also do like in-house caterings and like private dinners. So if you know your dosage and you know what you can handle, then we will up your dosage for each individual. For sure. But when we do a group dinner that we sell tickets for, yeah. we tend to just micro dose. Okay. And then we'll give the option for someone to take home a cookie that's a little bit higher. So can get the full effect if yeah. they would like, but some people come and they've never even had tried cannabis before ever. So for that's sure. why we micro dose because you for never sure. know like, how someone's going to react to it. Are you guys going to continue doing medical dinners or? Yeah, I think I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. just everything's in the gray area right now. Right. So yeah. we don't really know what we can and can't do. So we're yeah. kind of we got to do our research and Testing figure out the it. laws and restrictions and all that now yeah. that legalization is in act here. So um, can you tell me a little bit about the benefits of infusing versus smoking? Well, obviously, some people don't like to smoke because it's bad for your health. Smoking in general, no matter what you're smoking, it's going into your lungs. Also, the harsh the flavor some people really don't like the flavor that's very common so you can obviously if you're infusing 150 grams into a cookie you're going to taste it but if you're infusing 30 milligrams into a whole salad that you're serving to 15 people you're not going to taste the flavor of the flour itself also it lasts longer but it just the one um, disadvantage is it takes longer to like feel the effects so some people like to smoke a little bit and then eat a little bit and then use the smokable to last them until the yeah, edible kicks in carry you over and like who doesn't like to eat food and feel good at the no, same time right? right yeah so with dosing how do you guys tackle that um dosing is hard because like i said everyone's different so that's why we do the micro dose we do 30 to 50 milligrams for the entire dinner so like we would make a batch of butter in the magic butter machine and then do the math so like last time i made I used two ounces of flour yeah. in two pounds of butter and split yeah. it up into half cups. And then I would, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember these right now. I'd yeah, have to yeah, figure yeah. it out on paper, but that's how we figured out you do like, so flour is about 10 to 15% THC. So there's about a thousand milligrams in a gram of flour. Then it gets broken down into percentage of THC. So the average is about 10. And like, then if you're using concentrates, it's going to be closer to 80 or 90%. Right. So it all depends on what you're using, what flour, what strain, um, but if you know, if for sure, if you're getting from LPs, you know all the percentages right, and you can do is. the exact math. Why do you guys choose to infuse the oil yourself versus buying it? Do you know that? Um, probably, it's probably cheaper. And um, then also we know what we're putting in because, I mean, the LPs tell us what they're giving us yeah. also, but we would know that way. But, um, and it's more, I like to make the butter. It makes your house smell really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just easier for us. So how do you guys tackle building a menu? Like, how does a dinner start? Um, well, we kind of think of the theme first. So this, the theme for this one, for example, is a whole lot of pot and a wee little pan. So our theme is yeah. to cook or serve everything in a pot. Yeah. And like I said to Alan, I was like, how am I supposed to cook a salad in a pot? Yeah. But then we thought, like, maybe we'll serve it in a pot. So we're going to serve them in, like, little flower pots. We decided five courses. We're trying to do a little bit more tapas style so everyone can kind of have their own little plate and yeah, take from take. the middle and then you don't have you don't get super full some people are like this is way too much food for me well and then it builds on the community aspect right because like, mm-hmm. you're then sharing with talking people. and sharing and yeah. yeah um but so he decided he's gonna do the main part and the dessert i'll do all three appetizers so i'll do a soup a salad and some sort of appetizer 
And um, then from that, we just kind of decide, like, are we going to do a Spanish theme? Are we going to do a Mexican theme? Or we just don't really have a theme. We kind of just... And then I'll throw him some ideas. He'll throw me some ideas. We'll exchange what we think. And then once we have our menu items, we break it down into ingredients and recipes. We share those sometimes, too. And we're also planning on... um, starting a cookbook so we're gonna oh, start sweet. writing down and keeping track of all the recipes and we're gonna have dosage like average dosages and stuff like in there it'll be like a little pocketbook oh, how to make butter awesome. how to make oils stuff like that so what's the biggest dinner that you've done as part of flatlands like what's the most people you served um well in for one seating the most i've served is 24 i believe and that was when we were doing them outside but now that they're inside it's obviously a little bit less room so now we do, we tend to do two seatings in a day. So one at about three and one at about eight. So a, an early dinner and a late dinner. And we usually have up to 17 people in both. Okay. Yeah. But there's always some comps. There's always some people that are coming that we know that are friends or people that we just want to invite to the industry. Yeah. Stuff like that. So there is a few comps, but the most people we've served is 17 twice a day or 24 altogether. That's awesome. So what is the timeline? Like how long does it take to run one of these dinners? Um, it depends. Like the outside ones were longer because it's summertime and everyone gets up and like goes to the dab yeah. bar and smokes a joint. But um, about an hour and a half. But then pe- we don't ever rush anyone out. Like after the food's done, yeah. we like encourage everyone to stay and smoke, and talk to each other, whatever. That's actually like really cool to mention is that at these dinners, you guys have dab bars, you guys have pre-rolls at each spot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think that that's really cool that you guys are trying to make it a personal experience for Mm -hmm. people. Do you guys have flour that that people can buy after or is it just like you get what you get? No, you don't, we don't sell anything. So the donation for the dinner is, we say like it's a donation and you're not paying for the cannabis, you're donating to the Canadian Chronicle. So all of, so we donate our money to that and they help, um, advertise information or any questions or do stuff like on the 17th, we have a legalization launch party. And we had to raise money to do that. We had to get a venue, DJ, music, food, all that stuff. Um, all of our donations go to that. Um, yeah. How have attitudes towards cannabis changed? Like the people that you've seen come to the dinners? I believe that more, like there's a stigma around weed, right? Like yeah. everyone's like, oh, it's just a drug. It's just, But it's it's very beneficial. And you can see that people are starting to accept it more because obviously the younger generation accept it just because that's how it is but the older generation is starting to accept it a lot more like i am seeing a lot more elders and older people mid-aged people coming to the dinners and like even the cannabis hemp expo that we attended there was lots of people from all ages like and the thing is it benefits everyone right in some way it's definitely changing for the positive and i think it'll just continue to be better like yeah. the stigma will eventually be it'll just be normal one day in a couple of years it'll just be like any other like alcohol for example why is alcohol so destigmatized when it's the one that gets everyone in trouble gets gets people hurt gets people sick and marijuana doesn't do that to people unless you're selling it and being a drug dealer and then you go to jail like that's when it Um, like the worst that's going to happen is you're going to green out and maybe puke yeah and like you got to smoke quite a bit of pot to green out so (laughs) you'll be fine you'll live yeah (laughs) so it can be kind of tough for women in cooking um, how, have you encountered anything in the cannabis community? Like, is it different than a traditional cooking environment? Um, I feel like everyone's more chill in a yeah. cannabis <laughs> cooking area just because you know how it is. Um, but working in the kitchen's always kind of like high stress level. Um, obviously working with just Alan in our personal kitchen is a lot less stressful than like yeah. when I'm on the line at work at Bonfire yeah. because we're just two like you know what I mean it's just two of us there's not I'm not getting bills on the line it's yeah. different because it's it's a catering right yeah. you're not and you guys are equal right he's executive chef okay. I'm sous chef but um yeah. we he's very good at letting me make decisions for yeah. my for my own 
part of it and getting my input on what he has to say and stuff like that. So when you're done school, do you want to stay in cannabis or do you kind of want to like branch out a little bit? Um, well, I want to stay in the cannabis cooking, but I, I will branch out a little bit from Flatlands. Like I said to you earlier, I'm going to do a cancer care profit dinner yeah, in my hometown. That. Yeah. And um, I'm going to donate all the proceeds to cancer care. And then my friend's mom who has cancer is actually going to um, cut her hair off and donate it for cancer after the dinner's over. And um, so stuff like that, like I will like to do stuff on my own, but I also, Alan wants me to kind of take over Flatlands from him and he'll kind of right. like help me with it. But I would also like to branch out and like advertise myself and be my own thing. So you guys mentioned that you wanted to open a restaurant. Obviously that won't happen until 2019 yeah. when it's all legalized. But do you guys have anything like in the works or any plans for that you, that you can talk about a little bit? Um, we kind of have a little bit in the works, but I don't think I can say anything right. about it because it's all like under the radar. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. But we do have a specific restaurant in mind that we have um, equipment that we've actually already started installing and That's awesome. bringing there, but we can't really announce anything yeah. until That's it's so legal. Exciting. So we'll do prep and things like that out of there, but we won't actually be able to serve our cannabis infused until... meals until it's legal. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how you got into cooking? Not even cannabis, but just cooking itself. Um, so I was in grade nine when I started cooking at a restaurant in my hometown called Pizza Den. And then I got to grade 12 and I was like, okay, I I like doing this. Like I've worked at home, I worked at Hallmark selling cards and I worked at my mom's insurance place sitting at a desk and like none of it was for me. I have, I'm very high energy person yeah. so like the kitchen is a great place for me yeah. but yeah so I did my grade 12 apprenticeship through pizza den and then I decided I didn't want to do the apprenticeship anymore that I actually wanted to go to school so I was super upset because I got my acceptance letter but they were like yeah you're accepted on a waiting list for like three years and I was like oh my god <laughs> so I graduated and I was like what am I going to do it's going to three years is going to pass and I'm not going to want to go to school again like I want to just go finish high school go finish my school and then be yeah. done school and then I got an email like two weeks later that I was bumped up to that August of that year. In, so yeah. I was in and I was super excited and I started it and I just loved it. Like there's nothing that I've learned at Red River that I haven't used. Like everything that they teach you is so useful. They go above and beyond to make sure that everyone understands everything before they move on. And every, the, all the chefs are very personable. It's very like, there's I couldn't complain about anything about Red River College yeah. for sure. That's interesting. Cause I've heard that like cooking can be kind of like cutthroat and that people will try and like sabotage you you haven't oh, found totally that. well every i mean it depends who you are like i can just yeah. avoid that stuff like if someone's you know what i mean so but for sure for like you can see it in the industry like the industry it's not necessarily a great industry to be in there's also the good people and like the people that try to like at bonfire bistro for example like i don't call chef sean and chef brian chef sean and chef brian but they're my chefs, but we work as a team. Like they're yeah. the kind of chef that like, they don't want to be called chef because they don't want to feel superior to us. Yeah. They want, I, we're all a team and we yeah, all work here together. Yeah. But then I also worked at the Cornerstone and we all worked it as a team, but I still had chef and sous chef. So every every single restaurant's completely different. It depends on how professional, how like to the book they are. It's totally, di- it varies from every single restaurant. Every manager's different, every boss is different. And so then, with the Chronicle, you guys are super connected to the cannabis community already. But I also know that Alan is helping out with the Cannabis 101 course that's launching here at the college in a few weeks. Can you talk a little bit about that? For the Cannabis 101 course, the actual, um, I believe it's 36 credit hours you receive from doing this course. And it's 4.99 to 5.99 for the whole course. Pretty reasonable. Yeah. 
and you you'll learn everything from strains to dosages to cooking to making oils to making butters the science behind the plant itself the science behind smoking it the don't like how everyone reacts differently the terpenes all that sort of stuff um the sale of it, the recreational use of it, the medicinal use of it, the effects it can cause negative and positive. Um, I'm sure that they'll cover absolutely everything within 32, 36 credit hours. I mean, that's a lot of time, right? Yeah. So they'll have, once you leave that course, you'll be a cannabis expert basically. Yeah. So it's not like a botany course. It's not like a cooking course. It's like something completely No, it's new. not even at the culinary campus. It's at the Notre Dame campus, I believe. Okay, yeah. So I don't believe there's any actual hands-on cooking, but there will be some sort of explanation on how to make butter and how to infuse and how to decarb and all that stuff like the steps of cooking so you mentioned terpenes for somebody who's like listening and might not know what that is can you explain a little bit about that so a terpene is like the flavor profile behind each strain and each strain doesn't necessarily have just one type of terpene they can have multiple and like let's say you today I have really bad anxiety so I want to smoke to reduce my anxiety so I want anti-anxiety terpenes so I would look on my I look online to ask what strain I have what goes on in the strain what terpenes do they have and like let's say this one has um, the lavender terpene and it I need to it'll tell you what temperature to um, smoke at so like if you're vaping or yeah. dry herb or you can set your vape to a certain temperature to to focus on that one terpene yeah. sorry so it it will actually you'll actually feel the difference between smoking for your anti-anxiety, let's say, instead of hunger. Because different terpenes at different temperatures affect you in different ways. Wow, yeah. And the flavor also, you'll also taste a lot more of that flavor yeah. if you heat it up at the right temperature. Yeah. So you guys take all of that into mind when you're yeah. creating a menu. Yeah. yeah. And so then decarbing as well. Can you explain a little bit about that? Um, decarbing is basically just taking the THCA out of the THC. And then, so like, let's say if you use a dry vape, um, for example, when you think it's done, when it's empty, when it starts not tasting good anymore, when you're ready to fill it up with new flour, yeah. you can actually dump that flour out and use it for infusions because that is now decarbed. It has no THCA yeah. left in it. So THC is the part that gets you the high. The psychoactive yes. part. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but then the THCA is the part you don't want in your cooking. So okay. you take that when you decarb. So decarbing, I would say about 240. 40 degrees for 20 minutes yeah. in the oven and you just you're basically just drying it out after that you can cook with it you can infuse it you can make butter you can make oil yeah. you can whatever you want to do it so yeah you guys cook with primarily with butter infused butter yeah, butter and oil we have a magical butter machine which is super convenient yeah. and a level oil machine so literally you just decarb the weed and then you put it into the magic butter machine you line the outside with butter you do your math however much butter however strong you want the oil to be or the butter you press two hours and it does it all for you it's super super convenient the level oil machine i haven't used as much but same idea you just stick it in the little compartment and then you fill it up with whatever oil almond oil whatever oil you want to use and does that one decarb it for you the level machine or does, I do you have believe you in? have to decarb first. The okay. magical butter machine, you for sure have to decarb first. Yeah. It doesn't do any of that for you. But the level oil machine, I've only used once. And um, I believe you still have to decarb. Yeah. yeah. So I've wondered this myself. Um, when you, like, say, again, you're smoking, like, a flower vape and you, like, are collecting your decarbed flower, mm-hmm. how long does that last? Like, how long is that good for? Um, as long as you're keeping it in a... De- or not a de- or like a dry cold I mean a dry dark space it yeah. should be good as long as any flower would be good okay, okay. so um it's already decarbed right so it there's yeah. nothing it's just like normal flour it just yeah. doesn't have the THCA in it anymore. for sure keeping a dry cool 
dark space yeah. is the best way to keep lots of people say freezer but the freezer is like one of the worst places to keep your cannabis oh really yeah. why is that i'm not sure i actually learned that today at natural oh. Health services they just told me that so um yeah. i don't know i guess because it's it's damp in there right and you want it dry you don't want to get it because yeah. it's going to get moist in the freezer yeah. i guess and the condensation opening and closing the freezer it also when you put something in the freezer like if let's say you put an ice cube in the freezer and you got whatever else in there, beef and chicken and that like, ice cube's gonna start tasting like whatever's in the that. freezer. Yeah. So you don't want your pot to start tasting yeah. like chicken. chicken. <laughs> Unless you're eating chicken that's infused with yeah, cannabis. Exactly. Yeah. You've also mentioned the Canadian Chronicle a lot during this interview. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? So we want Canadian Chronicle to be the main Canadian hub for any questions, concerns, info, anything you want to know about cannabis. We have multiple people working for us. It's all nonprofit. Um, it's We just want everyone to understand everything that goes behind cannabis and that it's not just people getting high for yeah. fun. Like it's, re- it's recreate for sure it's recreational for some people and that's totally okay. Yeah. But it's also a medicine and it's medicinal for a lot of people yeah. and it helps a lot of people. So that's kind of what the Canadian Chronicle is about is to take that stigma away and to teach people what it really can do in positive ways. And obviously there is negative things about marijuana too. Like it, some people yeah. do get really lazy and tired and have no motivation, yeah. but that means they're smoking the wrong type of flower. Like everyone, reacts to everything differently. Right. So like if I smoke a sativa, I'm going to be better during the day than if I smoke an indica right. because the indica is more like a downer, like at nighttime, like when you're ready to go to sleep. Right. As a sativa is more upbeat, it's energetic, it gives you more energy. Yeah, for sure. So it all depends on each person, I guess. Yeah. And so the Chronicle that's based out of Manitoba right now, or are you guys like national? Well, we're the Canadian Chronicle, so we're trying yeah. to be Canada-wide, but right now, like mostly out of Manitoba right yeah. now. Um, do you guys have any plans to expand Flatlands into other markets or? Um, well, I do have family out in Ontario that's like begging me to start doing yeah. it out there. So like maybe I'll go there one day and start dinners. And like if we also do catering. So like if you want me and Alan to come to your house in BC, just as long as you accommodate us. Like if you, let's say your mom wants to come for a dinner, but she doesn't feel comfortable. She has, she's worried about the stigma or she doesn't want people to know, or even she just would just rather someone come to her house. We'll come and cook for just your mom or just yeah. you and your mom or whoever wants to come we can do you come to us just a few of your friends it's just it's all about booking with us yeah. like we'll basically do anything you'd like us yeah. to do so has anybody ever approached you guys about like meal plans or like any of that sort of stuff yeah so um we're planning on doing a little bit of meal planning for sure once we open this restaurant right um, we're try- <laughs> we're gonna try to call it munchie so it's gonna be like a late night um, come in, grab your food. If you want to sit down and heat it up in the microwave, you can. Yeah. But or you can just grab it and go. Yeah. There'll be like a few things that you can deep fry, like to order. But we're not gonna have like an actual menu. It'll be like week to week. Also, we're gonna try to incorporate like actual meal planning. So like if you want to be our cust or our pay or our customer, I guess is what you would. Yeah. Be, you <laughs> yeah. could um, let us know your allergies, your food restrictions, and then we would give you a five day meal plan each week. A new and one. And it each could week, be infused yeah. or not infused, obviously. Because just because we cook with cannabis doesn't mean we Everything don't cook without cannabis. cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so exciting. The meal prep will be... It'll be hard to get into, but for sure, like, the clientele is definitely there. Like, everyone's so interested. And even people that don't know much are very, very curious to find yeah. out what the big thing is about. Right? Yeah. So people have approached you guys about doing Oh, yeah, for stuff? sure. Um, so are you guys active on social media? Like, where can people find you if they um, want to get involved? Flatlands Infused on Instagram. It's just... Spelt like it sounds, yeah. flatlands infused. <laughs> and then I have my own personal Instagram is 204 underscore chronicle chef Abby. 
Um, and we both post similar things. So, well, I'm trying to branch off a little bit, so I post my own stuff too, but any information on flatlines that you'd like to hear about any upcoming events is always post on the Instagram. We also are doing an email list. So if you are interested, you could send your email to the flatlines page and we could add you to our email list. And then every time we have recipes or events or information packages that we would like everyone to see, we would, we're going to start emailing those. I'm billing or building the email list right now. It's about 700 emails so far. So it takes a lot of time to input them in the computer, but I'm getting there. That's awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. That was episode three. Because we're going to be at the Expo this weekend, we won't be releasing an episode next week, so you'll miss us on November 6th. But let us know what you thought of this episode, or just say hi on social media at Trailblazers Pod. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in a few weeks.